It's the 10 to 1 podcast with your host, Brad Oman, featuring Ben Conowitz and Nate Laux. And here's the podcast. Here it is, fellas. Here it is. Another week down. And another one. And another one. Another, another one. one bites the dust. About, about, about. It's Shumer time. Amy Schumer. Hey, how many what times? Is, what is that? What is that? Is that like you making up like a weird theme for her show? <laughs> it's Schumer time. Yeah, it's like a, a weird Pee Wee's Playhouse version of Amy Schumer. That's the wacky word of the day. Is Schumer? Hey, <sighs> hey Ben, how many times has Amy Schumer hosted? I'm going to say this is her third go. It is it her is third correct, go. Correct. Correct. Yeah. When was when was the last time she hosted? Probably for 2015 for Trainwreck. Man, that's really good. Uh, no, it, that was the first time. <laughs> no. That was the first time? Yeah, that was the first time. 20, gotcha. 2018? Correct. Yeah. What film? Uh, Would have been for uh, I Feel Pretty, right? Correct. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Amy Schumer hosted this episode uh, with musical guest Paul Acey. Was that his name? <laughs> Paul Acey. <laughs> Paul Acey. What was, no, what was it, though? Is that, that, Paul was, that An- was it. Paul Anker. What, that was that it? No, it was something Lacey, right? Pre- I, I, we never talk about the music. I didn't prepare for the music. Preston uh, Steve, Lacey. Steve Lacey. Steve, Steve Lacey. Of course. Steve, Steve, okay. Steve Perry. Ben, give me a couple of Steve Lacey songs. Come on, for our listeners, uh, so they know. Yeah, no, he, he he's uh, he's very much responsible for Gumdrop House uh-huh. and uh, Hat of the Tiger, yes. which is a take takeoff of the survivor. I will say I did listen to uh, I always listen to like maybe like a minute of the music performance to see if I like it and I like his vibe. I I didn't I wasn't like I was like someone I want to start listening to a lot, but I did like he has kind of a little bit of a a throwback R&B kind of vibe in, in a way like like su- electronic this R&B. It's going to sound like it's a slam. I'm I'm really not trying to slam you. Uh it, isn't it sad though that like these days anybody that's pretty producing content has about a minute to impress us like i'll listen for a minute nah, that's it's, a lot of pressure but for me it's mostly because i i just want to get to the sketch oh i get it so like oh, i, I don't it. i'm no, not gonna I, sit there I, and watch i am that bad though right oh I yeah if the, i hear if, something if, like that for me well i think if if by a minute if i don't like the song i'm not gonna like the that's song fair. uh but what's gotten me is throughout this whole season not everyone but there's been a lot of people that are just huge in the music world and i don't know them yeah and that's been really hard for yeah, me. Yeah, we're at that age, boys. Yep, it's starting to happen. <laughs> yep. We've locked into our tastes. We know who we know, and we're moving on. And, and <laughs> I, I saw people online, they're like, they're getting no names in here. I'm like, nope, <laughs> no, these, these aren't are no very, names. These are huge. Very, very famous. <laughs> very famous. All right, so uh, let's get into the episode, right? Amy, Amy Schumer and uh, the cold open. How, how did it go, Nate? Cold open, President Biden midterms address written by Will Steven, Brian Tucker, Joe Biden, played by James Austin Johnson talks about the 2022 U.S. election midterms. Uh, uh, edit for this. We are actually recording this on election day, and we were late to record. Because I was voting. Because Ben was voting. Yep. And some of the candidates, uh, Marianne Williamson, played by Chloe Feynman, Guy Fiari, played by Molly Carney, uh, Takashi69, played by Marcelo Hernandez, Stormy Daniels, played by Cecily Strong, Azalea Banks, played by Ego Nwoden, and Tracy Morgan, played by Keenan Thompson. Um When's the last time that a current cast member has done an impersonation of a former cast member? Oh, that's a good question. Probably Keenan again for yeah. Tracy Morgan because he's done it a couple times. Has he done a Tracy Morgan a couple times? I don't remember. But the um, question I have about gosh. this sketch are the, were the breasts on Tracy Morgan's character real? Uh, what? I don't, I don't, what? What? What's what? a joke about about Keenan? 
okay. I got you. I got you. Because you thought I was going to say Cecily Strong because her big, big boobies. Were big. Yeah, but Kenny Thompson's lost a lot of weight. Okay. So. It didn't work. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, sorry, I'm not funny. Easy <laughs> drunk uncle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I did want to, I, I want to talk about though, uh, um, James Austin Johnson, because this is really interesting. Sin, not since Dana Carvey maybe has um, a cast member done both kind of president, former president, you know, and this very well could be in 2024, a Biden versus Trump uh, election as well. Do you guys think he does a good Biden impersonation? It's not as good as his Trump impression, but that's mostly because Biden is harder because he doesn't have any as many uh, traits that can be easily parodied or impersonated. You know, just he just sounds like an old man. Yeah. You know, so like everyone's take on Biden is is relatively close to the same like they gruff up their voice a little bit and they they kind of kind of squint and like that's yeah. pretty much it and, and biden does do those things where it's like um the c- c- come on man come on you know like yeah. where he 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 feels like everything is so self-evidently like ridiculous yeah right i i would say that i think obviously james austin johnson got on the show pretty much not because he's he's really brilliant and funny but what got him famous was his Trump impression. Yeah. So uh, that is his bread and butter. I think his Biden impersonation a, a little bit is a little too quick. Um, and it might need to be too quick to get through a sketch. Because yeah. Biden, if you listen to Biden, especially now, he's like, what, 98 years old? 117. Um, he He's speaking slower and slower. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not the president. But then I thought, because that's, as I was listening to him, I'm like, it's a pretty, it's a, fairly good probably yeah. the best Biden impersonation I know but it's a little too quick and I thought they probably can't go that slow or the sketch would just go yeah too they don't long. have time they don't have time yes. let me just say where am I yes that's basically what it is uh, but yeah this sketch was bad um, <laughs> I, uh, I so, first of all I just I hate that we've gone back to like the whole idea of like someone doing a press conference and then and I also hate the idea when they just do the lazy thing of like oh here's a cavalcade of random celebrity impressions of oh, look, how, look how crazy it would be if these guys were were political candidates and this and, is a and, throwback and, to when the cast was oversaturated, and so they just needed to have yeah. so many. Who could through. do an impress- yeah. impersonation? Get in there. Yeah, exactly. Also, these weren't great. No, they were not great. They like first of all, they pick people who like aren't necessarily like fun or 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 even ridiculous enough for a thing like this. I mean, let, lest we forget, uh, Kanye West attempted to run for president. So like picturing someone like Takashi Six uh, Nine, whatever his name is, uh, like to do to do something like this. Any of the people they picked, it's just like whatever. I don't. I don't care. I was recently listening to Al Franken on the P. Holmes podcast, and he, he, he talked about, you know, he, he got hired the first season of SNL, but obviously Al Franken is like an astute political mind and hilarious. I think they've got some really funny writers. I'm not one of those people that thinks that the writers aren't funny because there was this story that came out that, that people don't want to come on the show because the funny writers aren't funny right now, which I think is ridiculous. Bullshit. I don't think they have good political writers, though, right now, which is making their political sketches not great. Like, I, I think Al Franken, and there's been a couple other ones, but Al Franken was on the show for a long time, and he was always the one doing the political sketches. And obviously, he became senator eventually. He's a politically astute mind. I, I, I wonder if some of it is they, they've got, obviously, I'm not saying they're naive politically, but maybe I mean, probably a little bit, maybe, but the writers just, are probably skewing a lot younger too. Yeah. They just, they're not, maybe, maybe that's it. The political nuance of the situations, you know, isn't as good, but their political sketches really over the last couple of years for me, haven't been that great. No. And I think it's because they're, 
you're asking somebody who's generally very funny to do something that's outside of their body. Like, if you're not a good roast comedian, but you're a funny person, you can still write roast jokes. They're just not going to be that good. Yep. And this is, I think that that's a really great point, Nate, actually, because I don't think that these guys grew up caring about politics at all, you know, the writers. And so it's really hard to, to just say, oh, yeah, go write political commentary now that you, just because you're on SNL, you have to. So they're trying their best, but this is what we're getting, and it's not great. And Conan O'Brien has talked about the difference between that. And when he was on the show, he he couldn't do political writing. He said he's just not a good political satirist. And so, you know, I think it does take a special writer. And I'm just not sure if they have it on the cast right now So or in yeah. the writing staff. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they do. but yeah, I, It seems like sometimes pass. they do, but when, when it's worked, it's usually it's been because they've taken – the headlines and fit it into like a more typical like sketch format Game show yeah. or something else rather than just a freaking press conference press conference again and again the 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 joke of there's going to be a red wave and the democrats are going to lose i mean it's kind of played out now it's election day we all know it's going to happen you know this this whole idea of biden being you know and and if you've been listening to this show long enough, you know, we also got tired of the Trump stuff like last year. It, it wasn't that it wasn't well executed. It just became not funny because you did it so much. And I, I'm, I feel some of it with Biden. A, Biden's not nearly as funny as a character as Trump is. So there's not as much to do. But it it, it just it is we're, a hit. And the I mark. feel like this is not the first time that we're saying this. It won't be the last yeah. time. It's like how much else, we're beating a dead horse at this point. Like we Unless it unless you change my mind, SNL, I will just not think that your their political satire is very funny. So it's up to you to change our minds as the audience. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, moving on. Monologue by Amy Schumer, written by Amy Schumer with an assist from Rosebud Baker. Uh, returning host Amy Schumer talks a f- uh, talks a few topics, including her pregnancy, not being able to have sex for a while after her pregnancy, her sex life with her husband, and his autism diagnosis. Benjamin, what did you think? It was just essentially just Amy Schumer doing stand-up. Yeah, it's Amy Schumer doing stand-up. I like Amy Schumer's stand-up. Uh, I think it, it was a, she went a little easy. It was a little... You, you could definitely tell that there was stuff that she edited for network TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's I still liked it a lot. And I actually I like how her pregnancy has changed her approach to the topics that she has covered before because she's very much known for it being like a, a sex yeah. uh, topic comedian. Uh, but this is like change, you know, so it gives her new things to talk about, new perspectives, new experiences. Uh, and I had never heard her talk about her uh, husband being on the autism spectrum before. So I heard, I'd heard that in her last. Uh, I haven't seen her last special, her so last that's probably why. But yeah, so I, I, so I thought that was something that was interesting, uh, and it was it, it, how she did it. You know, was clever, and like you know, it's not like she's mocking him for being autistic, but she's like observing the amusing things about his Absolutely. traits because he he's on the autism spectrum. Yeah, it's as a, as you guys have known doing a little bit of stand up, but as we all have seen watching so much stand up as we have. Topics like autism can be really difficult to navigate yeah. in a funny way that doesn't seem like you're punching down. And she didn't do that with autism. It was, yeah. my husband is autistic, but there is comedy from his autism for us as yeah. well, right? Not in, in a sa- bad way. In the right? same way that you can still uh, make jokes about trans people and like that, that concept without punching down yep. and making fun of trans people. There, there are good and like interesting trans jokes and perspectives to be made uh, without doing it like, you know, certain comedians who may be hosting the show soon. Yeah, we're going to see what the... And I think, I think Brad, you make a good point there because I think that's where we land that's a little different maybe than some people that are, are maybe, you know, quote unquote more liberal or progressive than us in that 
we don't think topics typically are like you know there are no sacred topics. Yeah, you no, know, nothing's off limits, but there but are there are bad jokes. Exactly, though. exactly. And that's that is the therein lies the problem when you when you blanket statement and say there are no off limit topics. That just gives the wrong people the impression like, oh, I can make a bad joke. And yep. that's not what we're saying at all. Just You just need to know how to be funny about it. And, and there are and, offensive know. jokes, right? And it's not because the topic was offensive or that you can't talk about that. It's just your joke sucked and it exactly. was mean and it was, punching, it was down, punching down, you know? Yeah. So, all right, moving on. Uh, next was a sketch called Soup. Written by Allison Gates, Streeter Seidel, Ken Sublet. A woman, played by Amy Schumer, wants to eat soup while her friend <laughs> Heidi Gardner talks about her and her partner separating with Ego Nuotum as another friend, Michael Longfellow as the waiter, Marcelo Hernandez and Chloe Feynman as a couple. And then Keenan Thompson comes in and Keenan's the thing as the singer uh, with the bubble. This had such good bones. Uh, there just wasn't was anything there. It was silly. Um, I just wish it was I, 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 I'm dumb. a little bit with you, Ben. I kept on waiting. It, it's like when you go up a roller coaster, right? And you're going, you're going, you're going, and you're, you know you're going to get over that horizon and you're going you're gonna to get this, like, something's going to happen. And it kept on going. I'm like, all right, they're going to get to it. They're going to get, and it never really hit that mark for me. Right. Um, it, it had good bones. I, I understand where they were going with it. But there was never the punchline or the I thing. I just didn't understand. You know? Like what? So tell me about like in the middle of the sketch when she takes the straw and like tucks it in her shirt. Like do they write that at the t- and they're doing the read through and everybody's just busting a gut thinking that's the funniest thing ever and that's why it's gonna be on the show. Like I always am curious how that writers roundtable goes. You know, you see the pictures of them all online and they're all sitting around there trying to make each other laugh and that must have made the group collectively laugh, right? Why? I mean. I'm not sure if that's the one like joke where they're like busting a gut over or anything like that, but like I don't know. Sometimes sometimes it's just it's a matter of the timing of like things hit you at a certain time and like it's the way it's played in the room that it's funnier and then the execution doesn't necessarily go as well as you think it's going to. Some of this felt like there was like not the best timing uh, with like the the physical side of the sketch. Yeah. Um, sure. And honestly, there's a part of me that thinks that this would have been better if it was like a pre-recorded sketch. I thought so too. Especially, especially when they pan over to the other couple, like you didn't get that that like I I picture it as it's happening, as her looking over there, and it's like there's a fog filter and like dreamy music is playing, and she like desperately wants, and she's like seeing them enjoy their soup and that kind of thing, and it just didn't feel like it worked as well live as it would have as a pre-tape. I agreed. I think you could have had some cuts to awkward faces, these kind of things, some more accentuating of the physical comedy that was needed to make this sketch work yeah. if it would have been a pre-tape. Um, I think a director could have done that. I, I, I mean, again, <laughs> I, I like the premise. I thought right. the premise itself is funny. You, you're you hungry, you're excited to eat, and somebody brings up a serious topic, and all of a sudden you know you have to pivot, but I don't want to pivot, I just I want just to eat. I just want to eat my soup. Yeah. I want to eat this matzo ball soup. Yeah. Um, also... It, did you guys notice too at the very end of the sketch because she has the big bite of matzo ball in her mouth that like as soon as the sketch was done she like spit it all out and then like hurried and rushed off to like get ready for the next sketch? No, but I always love that stuff. Yeah. Uh-oh. All right, moving on. Pre-tape COVID commercial written by Colin Jost, Jake Nordwin. Three people played by Heidi Gardner, Michael Longfellow, and Sarah Sherman purposely get COVID. Andrew Dismukes is Gardner's as. Uh, Gardner's husband, Cecily Strong, as the announcer, always does great. Again, I always pointed out, but Cecily Strong could have a solid career Absolutely. as a commercial uh, uh, voice, voice actor. 
Okay, so he, let's get into the little bit of the controversy of this. So a lot of people on Twitter. <laughs> There's a controversy? There is. So there are a lot of, actually, medical Twitter um, that said they didn't appreciate this sketch in that it made light of COVID, right? Oh, they're, that's they're right. Still, that's right. Yeah, we there's can't, still two thousand people dying a week in America of COVID. Yeah, you're right. That's not. That's why there's no cancer jokes. That's why yeah. there's no AIDS jokes. <laughs> that's why you know we don't have any 11 jokes. In that you know people shouldn't want to get COVID because it's still killing a lot. That's of people. the idea, and they even make commentary about it in the sketch itself. Uh, first of all. Like when it comes to doing anything except for diagnosing medical problems, doctors shut the fuck up. Uh, especially when it comes to jokes, you're not funny. None of you are funny. No, no doctors are hey, funny. Hey, hey, Ken, Ken, Ken Jung would like a word. I'll restate. <laughs> <laughs> no doctors are funny. Uh, oh, no, come no, on. no, no. I like Ken Jong. I like Ken Jong. Uh, but he's not funny because he's a doctor. No, um, I, 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 I saw the actual like pushback before I saw the sketch, and. I went to the sketch expecting it to be a little more like taking COVID less seriously. And it, it really didn't. It, th- that wasn't the joke, yeah. right? No. The they, joke was they did the sketch we very all well. need a break right now. Yeah. We all need it. We need a break and from our kids. We need and it's a break crazy to think that we need it so bad that we would be happy getting COVID yep. just to get it. Especially and, if it was the kind of COVID that you think you're going to get nowadays. Yeah. Yep. Most people the, aren't dying right. from COVID. And and the reality is, and I say that as, again, my wife's an ICU nurse, that is not who is filled in her ICU right now. Like exactly. It was a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, God, imagine if we were recording this podcast two years ago and you're like, COVID's just not that big of a deal. Oh, it, <laughs> it, it, it's not killing anybody. This wouldn't have been a good sketch two years ago. Well, of course right? not. Yeah. Um, so, so I get that timing is everything. Sure. But again, I thought it was the comedy for me wasn't so much as the getting the COVID. It was like, oh, good, I've got five to ten days off, and the idea that fourteen just to be safe, we will come and we will turn your internet off so you don't have to zoom. Yeah, like because a lot of companies are forcing people to come back. There, you know, all these things and everything. Everyone realizes that we're all overburdened, we're all overworked, and we're all tired. I have an employee right now that has it and is at home. Zooming and, into gutter estimates. No, and uh, she she said, uh, you know, do you want me to do? I don't feel that bad. Do you want me to do anything? I was no. Take the time. I mean, it is I will, what it is. I will say uh, there was. Uh, I I had one of my uh, uh, logical hangups in this joke because they they make a point of talking about how like when it was two different people, so it still works. But someone talks about how now they can like stay home and like they watch Netflix and stuff like that. But then the other person's talking about, Oh, someone will come and shut off your Wi-Fi. It's like, well, you're not going to watch any Netflix. Oh, if you're going to have your Wi-Fi. Shut no, off. that oh, was it. That was an addition. If you I know. It. It I know. It was an upgrade. I know. I know. <laughs> but if someone were to do that, they would not be able to enjoy Netflix. It was two different people. I know. That's why I said, but I, this I, is why I, Brad I does Blu-ray. That's true. Physical media you can't turn off. They can't take Physical it from media me. is king. It's they mine. can't take it's, it from it's me. It's mine. No one's taking it. So sketch-wise, again, this is a pre-tape, but did you, did you laugh? Did no, you no. I thought, I thought the sketch was great. I liked this sketch a lot. I thought it was very funny, and I, I, I really enjoyed it. I agree. I thought it was good. I thought it was a funny yeah. sketch. This uh, is a very funny sketch. I don't know I what thought, the, I don't to the, the point, it was about. the best one of the night. Moving on, Jurors, written by Martin Herlihy, John Higgins, Ben Marshall, and Celeste Yim. You know what? We didn't. Let's get a, just pass this one. We didn't get a please don't destroy sketch. Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. Wait, don't be rude about this. Let sketch. me let me let me move on. Don't be rude about this sketch. Stop. Let me describe it for our listeners. Oh, sorry, just in yes, case. please. Three jurors: Amy Schumer, Bowen Yang, and Sarah Sherman react to the details of a case in which a defendant, Marcel Hernandez, is accused of murdering his wife. Heidi Gardner, Keenan Thompson, played the judge, and Andrew Dismukes also appear. You didn't like this, huh? No. Oh, I, I honestly, this had this 
started less funny and got funnier for me as it went. The only thing that was funny about this was Keenan Thompson missing the gavel on the desk and then looking for it and kind of smiling. Yeah. And I love that. Uh, no, I did, I did think that, it, I, I agree with Nate, it wasn't very funny at first and yep. it did get funnier. And I appreciated that it had a, a pretty decent ending mm-hmm. as well. Yep. That they, they actually leaned into like the actual, you know, murder mystery part of it, of the case and it actually became part of the thing as opposed to only focusing on, you know, trying to make laughs. I think it started off so rough that it never won me back over. Oh no, that's fair. I I I, sure. I, I don't blame you for I that. I agree. At, at the beginning I kept on waiting for something, but then it got there for me. And then again, Bo, Bo and Yang can can just do it for me. I, he can I, make again, it enough. He's got that. I, I will agree with that that Bo and Yang has the uh, ability to save sketches yep. now. Oh but he didn't in in, did in this episode, he especially later, but we'll get to, we'll that, get to one. that one. Um have either of you guys served on a jury before? No. I've been called once. Did you like you entr- went to the interview? Yep, showed up in a full clan outfit and got out of it. <laughs> You know they're having a hard time getting jurors. Why didn't you wear uh, a costume? <laughs> oh, so funny! <laughs> uh, no, I, I got called, uh, but then they, w- were you wanting to serve? I was actually driving to the thing, and then I got a call from the government saying, uh, uh, "Just the government, like just the no, government? The, the, the person that calls you to tell you don't come." Oh, really? Because they like they so like they a, did a pretrial diversion or okay. whatever, and it was literally though I was getting in the car to go. It was the morning of. For the juror interviews, or yeah. like you actually got placed for, in the juror? for the juror interviews. Okay, yeah, I've never I've I recently got a summons? letter, a summons, yeah, a summons, a jury summons, and I threw it away. What you can't do that? <gasps> yeah, what are you doing? You're gonna uh, I know they're I know. gonna put you on well, a, on a case. A dear friend of mine, uh, shout out to uh, Sergeant Adam Hannon, told me uh, he lectured me because he said. There are too many people doing that, and our jurors are terrible. He said right now because if, the people, I'm not joking, if the people that to want serve, to serve I, on I jurors are ter- typically not the ones that should would, yeah. serve on. I jurors. got I got uh, jury duty years ago, um, but I I told them I couldn't do it. I, I <laughs> how do you do? I just say uh, it doesn't really work for me. No, yeah, I mean it was a thing where like I couldn't, I I was unable to leave my job, or else I would not have any. If you have money. a valid reason uh, yeah. that it will yeah. impact yeah. your a hardship waiver, exactly. yeah. yeah, exactly. And I have done that before when I was at uh, work and the the full time estimator for the business. I had to do that one time. Nowadays, if it happened again, I would gladly serve. I really would. I'm, yeah, I'm, I would now. I'm more, I feel guilty, I'm more but, curious now about it. Yeah, I, only I, for murders though. Don't hit me with that. Yeah, I, theft of by deception. Yeah, no, no larceny. Get out of here. Yeah, no murder no, one or nothing. No, for yeah, this <laughs> no hit and runs. <laughs> nothing like that. All right, moving on. Twitter council written by Carol Sullivan, Josh Patton, Streeter Seidel, Will Steven. Content moderation meeting with Chloe Feynman and Keenan Thompson as the hosts. Several characters, Cecily Strong, Bo and Yang, Amy Schumer, Punky Johnson, and Donald Trump, played by James Austin Johnson, try to argue why they should be back on Twitter. Um, I'm already tired of Twitter. Um, I I think all three of us love Twitter. What do you mean? What's wrong with Twitter? Uh, stop. It's got a certain musk about it these days. Uh, oh. oh. That was that was okay. Yeah, that was pretty that. good. Um, yeah. I'm just, smells like shit. <laughs> I'm just tired of it all right now. Oh, I just, dude, I'm just you so and me both. tired of it. Yeah. Uh, so, what did you guys think of the sketch? Though, did it work for you or not? Uh, parts of it did. I thought Amy Schumer was particularly good at doing that voice she put on as a as a bot. Like she sounded like uh, a creepy, sexy baby, and that that was perfect for <laughs> this. Very and weird. for some reason, that works for it Brad. Was a, it was a good choice, though. Yeah, it was. It was. was, it, was, it, was it was really good. Um. So yeah, I I felt like there were there could have been a better framing device than just 
just doing the same lazy, oh, let's have someone walk up to a speaker and talk to us. Because you know, we, we just did that in the yeah, opening sketch. Yeah, exactly. And, and it fi- filed through several different yeah. people to do it, too. So, like, it, just, it felt like they should have come up with something better if they were going to have this and the cold open. That that That's what it felt like for me. Again, it's a different joke than the than the opening sketch, but it felt very similar, yeah. and I was done with it. The, I, I just didn't love it. The issue I took with it was that if you're going to have the silly people be the ones walking into the microphone, then you shouldn't have the moderators themselves be silly about their reactions. But depending on the person, then Keenan you know, would make a different decision or like, oh, that's yeah. fine or that's not. I don't know. They were both. The, the, there was no straight man, really. Yeah. And that was tough. I mean, James Austin Johnson, again, shout out to his Trump. It's always good. The jokes he hits. I, I these days, I can't tell if they're like, that's not bad makeup. That's just what Trump looks like these days. <laughs> yeah. So the, it's like just. Ooh. It is kind of odd. There, there was something that they didn't get right it for was some reason. It was a little reason. drawn, drawn <laughs> yes. and it was a little green. Yeah, and I just, was like, that's weird. Or is that just Trump these days? It just didn't work as well. A little column A, a little column B. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. I don't know. I haven't seen the picture of the guy lately. Maybe he looks exactly like that. It's been so nice not to see him. Oh, I know. Did you guys know? Uh, I just found this out. Donald Trump that. is racist. No, oh, well, that. Uh-huh. But did you know that each cast member has their own makeup person? Really? Well, that makes sense. Yes, huh. I did not know that until I, know I listened that. to a recent podcast. But that's is that like for? Well, but, think about this um, because uh, you know sometimes they're going to have seven people in a sketch, and and typically it's going to be probably the major ones. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Like um, you know the Does please Michael don't destroy Longfellow guys aren't going to have their own. Guy? Yeah, Michael Longfellow might share with you know somebody else, but yeah, because I know the, like the, Cecily Strong is going to have her own makeup person. Bo and Yang is going to have his own makeup person. The guy um, on uh, on Twitter that I follow, the uh, Louis like um, special effects guy or whatever that does stuff, he posts stuff after every week of SNL. I know he does a lot of like prosthetics, and he's done them for like a variety of people. Um, I, so are prosthetics this was, different than makeup, though? I think it just depends. Like prosthetics and makeup can kind of go, like hand, go hand in hand, but like makeup has to. But like his, his stuff is a lot. It's usually the stuff that's like much more extensive, where sure. like you'd like an entire face piece or like you know like a head wound hairy situation. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, I, I only know that because I was listening to actually I think it was uh, the podcast you and I listened to with Jason Bateman. What's that one? Smartless. 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 Tony Hale was on there. Did you oh, listen to that one? I have not okay. listened to that one yet. His wife worked at SNL, and awesome. she was a makeup artist, and he talked about, you know... That's cool. Uh, that's how they actually met. She was He was in New York City at the time, and she was working at SNL as a makeup artist, and he kind of gave a little... I, I just kind of like you like when you see in the at the end of sketches all of the work starting for the next sketch. Yeah. I always like those little glimpses yep. into the show that you didn't know 100%. before. So. All right, moving on. Uh, pre-tape The Looker, written by Rosebud Baker and Streeter Seidel. Streeter had a lot of work, uh, a lot of sketches in today. A Family, played by James Austin Johnson, Amy Schumer, Marcelo Hernandez, and Chloe Feynman. Marcelo is in a lot, too. Gets an anonymous letter that details everything about the family, including the wife, Amy Schumer's obsession with the Property Brothers. Uh, before we get into this, I got a quiz for you, all right? What are the Property Brothers' names? Go. Oh, it's got to be something like Eric and Jake. Uh, Aaron and Phil, Drew and Jonathan Scott. But here's a. I mean, come on, the, we were both. That, that was my second guess. Pretty much the <laughs> no, same. No, no, no. I've got. Names. Here's the next question. This is going to tie into SNL. Jonathan Scott has been dating a former host of SNL since 2019. This person hosted the show on February 11th, 2012. Who is the Property Brothers dating? Well, Jonathan Scott of the Property Brothers dating. Uh, if former host Valentine's Day 
show, 2012. Helen Mirren. (laughs) No? Uh, February 2012. Uh, I'm going to say Kate Hudson. Those are actually incorrect. No. The correct- Eliza Dushku. Oh, you know, that's a, not a bad answer, but the answer is Zoe Deschanel. Oh! That's your quiz for today. All right, what'd you guys think of the uh, sketch? I liked it. Yes. I, I really did. I did too. I, I, it was very solid. And what's great about it is that it's a, it's a parody of Netflix's new series, The Watcher, but you don't have to see it to really- I, I, I didn't even know I that. I didn't know that either. I, yeah. I knew it was parodying something. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And you don't, and so I just go to show you, you don't need to see the show to really appreciate this parody because the, the humor comes from like just the simple idea of the stalker like pointing out like the weird things that Amy Schumer is doing as you know it, as that, the wife of the family. It was so great. It, it was great. Yeah. Her, why, her, are she, why is he only making things I'm about to <laughs> I know. She played this so well too like she did it really well yeah. and and every time it was just uh i i love the premise of this somebody watching and and essentially seeing all the worst things about you so good you know because that that horror premise we host another podcast we talk about horror movies and other movies but you know that premise of somebody watching you is not an you know an unfamiliar premise but they they never talk about like i i watched you on the crapper <laughs> yeah. four times today. Are you okay? Are you yeah. okay? <laughs> <laughs> More fiber. I please. watched you watching the property brothers. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, I, I love how cartoonish she was about pleasuring herself. Like, yeah, the, it was, the way she was just jerking her hand <laughs> up and down. <laughs> just all wide-eyed yeah. and weird about it. Yeah, it was so funny. Wait, is that not how it works? What do you mean? Okay, moving on. <laughs> all right. We are halfway through here at the time where you get to determine... Uh, or at least our our bratty gets to determine whether or not there was an emotional connection between our weekend update hosts. It's time for a weekend update with Colin Jost and Michael Che. Weekend update hosts Colin Jost and Michael Che cover the week's biggest news stories before we talk about a Cecily Strong uh, bit that she did on Weekend Update. Let's talk. Uh, let's go directly to Brad here. Uh, I thought the jokes were great. I, I really enjoyed this weekend yeah. update. Maybe you didn't. I, I did. But did you think there was enough chemistry between the two hosts? Because again, you, you think there is a bromance that needs to come out a little bit. Yes. Uh, do you yes, think yes, there yes. was? Uh, yes. Then uh, very much so. Huh? They are they more are, so than ever. Uh, like this season. Maybe actually, but but only. I don't think you've really thought. That but much only, season. but only slightly. No, I, I honestly, the past. Uh, this being the third, the past three. Uh, editions of Weekend Update have all been great as far as the jokes are concerned, yep, agreed. And, and also they have had a good like back and forth as far as like reacting to jokes, like making little asides to each other, making each other. So laugh, they mended whatever was wrong with them, so, and they, they right, made up. right now they are on a very good roll. I hope they can keep this momentum going, and if they do, we can take it all the way to the Super Bowl. <laughs> what do you think? I always enjoy Che and Joe's. It's I look forward to it every single week. As if the show's not going that well, that this is gonna be a reprieve and i can at least count on some of the jokes being very biting uh michael che especially is just i think he's really in his element this year i think he's he's very biting and he doesn't give a shit and he's never given a shit but this season is specifically i'm really into him do you think that it's better a little bit because they have more time just to focus on weekend update Che and Joseph are writing more sketches than they typically do. They they it's not uncommon for them to have a sketch in an episode. And last year they usually didn't because again, yeah. it's head writers. Um, and they're no longer head writers. But I but they're they're also as as far as I know, at least as far as SNL history is concerned and how it works, they're not writing all of these jokes. No, there is a head writer for 
four weekend update, right? And there's a team that yeah. just works on it. But obviously, what are they doing? They're probably mostly working on weekend update. They're not head writers anymore, right? Yeah. This is their baby right now. This is the thing in the show that they're doing. Do you think that has maybe had a, uh, you know, is that maybe why it has been so good this year so far? I, I think it's a it's a fair guess, yeah. Yeah, if you have more time to work on anything, right? Yeah. It's going to be better. And they're very good at their jobs, and they're very honed in. They've been doing it for a long time, and it's not stale at all. I, I, I love it. I think that's a, a great way to say it. They, they just seem to a little more honed in right now, right? Yeah. I imagine as head writers, you're, 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 your head's Stretched everywhere. a thousand right? directions, uh, for so, sure. Uh, weekend update, I agree, has been fairly, uh, are just really good, really strong this year. All right, move to the weekend update bit. There's only one Tammy the Trucker on gas prices and definitely not abortion, written by Cecily Strong. This is not the only time Cecily Strong has done a weekend update bit on abortion. Uh, this is a topic I've, I actually listened, I did not read. I listened to her book and she talks about. These Thank you for clarifying, being... because one of our so hosts you, you on the show... Her, you read her book then, Nate. One of our hosts on the show has a history of claiming they've read a book when they've only listened to that's it. Well, I feel book. like that's cheating. I, I did listen yes, to the thank book. You. Thank you, Nate. And it was good. Uh, I, I appreciate I, it. I, there's nothing wrong with just listening to a book, right? It's no, no. not reading it. But yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, so but, what, what book did you read? Uh, Cecily Strong. She had a book yeah, come out a year or two ago. But you didn't read it, though. Um, and it's a really sad book, by, anyway, uh, by the way. It's about her cousin that dies. Um but she does talk about some of these things that she's very passionate about. And politics is one of the things she is actually very passionate about and abortion rights being one of them. And it's come across on the show a couple of times. Did you think she did this well here? Do you think the point came across? Obviously, it was not nuanced, right? No, yeah, not at all. Do you think she made it in a poignant the, way? The first time she did this was when she was the clown character. Yeah, clown, correct. And that was very, uh, obviously, pointed and very uh, direct. It felt like a moment that stopped America, honestly. It, like yeah, It was one of those it moments really was. that and went viral. I don't know that that was necessarily lightning in a bottle, per se, and this would be an attempt to recreate that. I, I think that this is too important to her to... Uh, that's not why she's doing this, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, she's not trying to capture America's attention again. Well, uh, I disagree. Hold on, not 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 be, because it was for the clicks. Like, oh, it was good. We should do that again because it was good. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. No. It, she's doing it because it's election season, and it's it's still it, an important issue because no, nothing important. has really changed. Exactly. And like, you're voting on the people who are going to decide this and hopefully change this and make it better for women. Um, I uh, considering it as a sketch. I don't think it works quite as well as it did the first time when she did it with the clown. It was still funny. It was still very, very pointed. And, you know, the way the what she was talking about and how she did it was great, especially how she like she's very good at just being like nonchalant and kind of like just like throwing like, like yeah, whatever. Yeah. The, here, yep. here, take the steering the, the wheel. Steering yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, part of this bit I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm keeping up this bit, but I, well, whatever, you know. And so like that was that was a, a very funny thing that the way she carried herself and did that. Uh, but yeah, I prefer the clown bit. Still very good. Still very important. Still still great stuff. Yeah. And I think, wasn't there a point where Colin even says, Cecily, are you okay, right? So there was the the fourth wall breaking there, too. Yeah. And, and that was part of it, right? The comedy sure. was written in there. But they used to do that, again, kind of with, um, uh, uh, in, in previous, you know, frustrating kind of things where a cast member comes on and they do a bit where they're clearly frustrated yeah. about something. Kate McKinnon uh, did it Kate McKinnon pandemic, did it, yeah. yeah. For me, it, it didn't seem, I, I think I, I get what you're saying a little bit, Ben, on this, in that I'm not sure Cecily cared as much to go viral. No. I think she's pissed. And I think yeah. she wants to work her, her frustration out. And she works her frustration out in comedy and bits. Like, it just seemed like there was a layer to there where, like, again, the, the word frustrating comes. She's just frustrated, right? That here we are again at the cusp of a red wave where... 
a year ago or six months ago, really, um, many people would say, well, this was this was going to change the election um, and that we'd have a, a probably a lot more, you know, people standing up for abortion rights. And here we are again. Maybe that didn't happen. Right. And I think for good reason, she's frustrated and it works its way out. I actually appreciate that she does this because it's a good way to, I think, be politically engaged, to remind us that comedy is more than just laughs. It is, it is, it can have poignant moments to, to bring us to thinking about deeper things. So, so we were on, uh, we were down in Florida a couple of weeks back on vacation and my friend, Susan, uh, friend of the pod, Susan Swarner, hey, Susan. Uh, works, uh, she's a friend of our other pod, but yeah, it works at, at a, uh, at a museum. And uh, and she talks about uh, when the kids uh, learn and it's not direct learning from a book, but it's more informal learning or indirect learning where you're just kind of doing a thing. And oh, by the way, you learn something out kind of like on accident. And I feel like Cecily Strong doing this bit on on Weekend Update is a way to use comedy as the vehicle for knowledge. And I, I want to see more of that from SNL because it is important to use comedy in that way to change people's minds for the better and be that progressive thing that you want to see in the world. It's, you're not going to say, well, here's the facts. And this is why you should pay attention. It's click, snooze, boring. But if you can package it in a way that people are actually going to vibe and listen to it, then you're going to get through to a lot more people. And that's exactly what something like this does. And we did just say uh, 30 minutes ago how we're tired of a lot of the political comedy that, that SNL is doing. Again, not because we don't like political comedy. It's because we don't like the way they're doing political comedy, right? right? Yeah. Because um, it's been kind of seemingly, again, not to be unkind, but a little bit lazy, honestly. Yeah. This didn't seem that no, way. This is, the, uh, this is the opposite of lazy comedy. This is very, very pointed and sharp and edgy and, and structured in a way that makes you think which all good comedy should. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, a sketch called Jets Fans, written by Mikey Day, Shooter Seidel, Brian Tucker. New York, New York Jets fans, Keenan Thompson, Andrew Dismukes, Amy Schumer, Cecily Strong, insults Buffalo Bills fans with Michael Longfellow, Heidi Gardner, and James Austin Johnson. Mikey Day plays an officer. Hey, I, I do have another quiz for you guys. Oh, we love games here. I love games. All right. Which SNL great is one of the biggest Jets fans in America? Biggest Jets fans? Isn't it Adam Sandler? What's I mean, your guess, Ben? I mean, he's a huge New York sports fan, so he's got to be. It's got to be him. It is Adam Sandler, and he has put the Jets in multiple movies of his. Do you Can you think of any? Uh, Big Daddy, specifically. I know there's a scene when he takes the kid to the bar and- Actually, the the waitress, played by his real wife, uh, who be, would become his wife, asks... Uh, who is, I think, in the Rob Schneider's latest movie. Great. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, she asks the kid, she's like, who do you want to win? And he goes, the goddamn Jets. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you a couple more instances of him putting the Jets in. He is a he is an over-the-top Jets fan, which, again, when you understand Adam Sandler's comedy and his, you know... Like uproarious kind of just yelling, this sketch fits, right? So a couple other things. Uh, Sandler's character buys the Jets in Mr. Deeds. Yep. And Sandler's little Nicky, Satan refuses to buy Dan Marino's soul in exchange for a Super Bowl ring because the Br- Prince of Darkness is a Jets fan. There you go. And Sandler gave Rex Ryan a cameo, and that's my boy, in which the then Jets coach played a Patriots fan. There you go. 
So the all-time classic. That's my boy. Yes, one of the worst. Right. We but, uh, we love comedy. We do love comedy. Yeah, we like but to again, laugh. I thought uh, a Jets fan, uh, Adam Sandler, because when I watched this, actually, this sketch, there were a couple times in there where I thought of Adam Sandler, and I thought, oh, I, I wonder if. Like I before I knew he was a Jets fan, I thought I bet Adam Sandler's a Jets fan because he would work, and he is. Uh, but this sketch did it work for non-football fans? Jets are known as the worst fans in all of sportsdom. Does it work? I mean, yeah. As somebody who doesn't give a shit about the yeah. Jets or football or most sports, like <laughs> this was still a hilarious sketch because no matter what, even if you don't like sports, you know the persona of sports fans like this. Yep. The crazy people who are tailgating out for hours and like are always yelling and going crazy about stuff, painting their face, this kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, this was just, it was funny, especially too, because it just works on a, a, a sheer basic comedic level of having them having a, a calm conversation talking about you know kids bullying each other and then being like hey yep hey yeah! where, where do they get that from where do they get that yeah. from right you know so i i liked this sketch i liked it i had a real issue with the the universe that it built because i think that this would have been of course an, a hilarious this could have been an all-timer if they wouldn't have nerfed themselves so much uh, with the, the 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 script. They you friggin' a hole. Yeah, this it was I, so I tough, and it took me so out of it. Especially when there are so many words that sound terrible that aren't. Yeah, that you could have used. Mm-hmm. They say douchebag and like you know what? What did she say? Suck my sleeve. That was that that That's was the hilarious. That was the funniest part to me, and I wish that they would have done more things. You just, guys are just saying strange professional things. comedy writers. Yeah. Given carte blanche yeah. to do whatever you want, and it kept coming back to you, friggin' a hole. Yeah, that's a good point. What that that could have been a really it could have been amazing use great of dialogue. comedy bit to oh. use that as a form of yeah. you know, introducing some. But know, it was still very funny. No, the, the premise is great, and, and the way that they did it with like the little kids and yep. the yeah. wheelchair and all that. That's really funny. That's really funny. I just really wish they would have gone heavier with like actual insults rather than uh, censoring themselves because in that world, you would never sense it would be fucking asshole. And so just choose a different thing that you can actually say. Yeah. That's all. I, I agree with that. But I, I know I'm nitpicking here, but it was very funny still. Very funny. And uh, Cecily Strong looked like she was about to break several times throughout the sketch. All right. Speaking of going heavier. Uh, next sketch, Pink's period underwear, written by Ew. Alice. Oh, <laughs> Gross. Nate, grow up. You have a wife and a daughter. We are literally over here talking about comedy, sir. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> <laughs> You're so happy he's with yourself. so proud. Right I bet you he wrote that down and he's like, as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as Ben goes, and it needed to go heavier, I thought, I got my intro. <laughs> here we go. All right, Pink's period underwear written by Allison Gates and Celeste Yeem. Uh Three women try Pink's period underwear, played by Amy Schumer, Chloe Feynman, and Ego Nuotum. Mikey Day and Devin Walker, uh, Schumer and uh, Nuotum's characters' boyfriends, Cecily Strong, again, as the commercial announcer. What'd you guys think of this? Uh, I thought it was very funny. Yeah. It, um, it did feel like maybe they should have figured out a way to vary up the joke a bit, because uh, even though there was a level of, like, absurdity coming from the uh how it, the the animal reaction kept increasing and like that got a little bit more uh heightened i i felt like it was like pretty much the same joke the entire way through you know it is uh and so and, and so it was it was entertaining I, I still thought it was funny um and like the way it's framed as a, a pre-taped it was it was done very well um but yeah i was hoping for a little more variation a I little think. bit more escalation if you will yes otherwise no solid i'll give it a solid 
Agreed. All right, moving on. Uh, WKTVN News, written by Ken Sublet and Celestium. Celeste, kudos. Man, you worked hard this episode. News reporter Michael Longfellow interviews two cousins, played by Cecily Strong, Amy Schumer, and Strong's character's partner, Bo and Yang. Neighbors James Austin Johnson and Marcelo Hernandez also appear. This uh, was triggering for me because it reminded me of the trailer park I grew up in. <laughs> it was like, I know these people. Um, if you had put a about camera in front of me um, and my family growing up, this probably would have been the stories. The so. fun thing about Laporte is you don't have to have grown up in a trailer park to have grown up around <laughs> yeah, these people. Exactly. Um, but but yeah, this uh, oof, this yes. sketch was uh, a rough Swing one. And a miss. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. Nope. It felt like this was the kind of sketch that they would have done in like the '90s around the time when Jerry Springer was popular. Yep. And like, I don't know that's why yep. they thought that this was a good idea. What? what? So the that's the confusing thing. What's the impetus for this? Yeah, exactly. There's hey, hey really... you know, you know, what'd be funny is if we just had some rednecks disagreeing after a fire. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. I guess. Neat. It, and and the Cecily Strong, Amy Schumer thing, it wasn't compelling. Like it, there was no, there was no real good comedy there. And then at the end, you can already predict they're gonna patch things up. And and like you said, it was very I never thought about it, very Jerry Springer esque. Very what so was comedy back in the nineties. Doing a lot of weird stuff around the straight man who who was has his first day at work, right? Mm -hmm. And of course they kept saying, It's my first day, this is my first day, yeah. whatever. But they didn't really do anything with it other than keep referring to it as like it should have been weirder. Yeah, exactly. If yeah. you're gonna do that, again, you've gotta escalate, man. Bo and Bo and Yang try as he might uh, being Hilarious he did not with save his, this one with his little high pitched redneck voice and his mustache. His yeah. mustache was great. Uh, I I love that that uh, that effeminate flamboyant southern drawl. Whenever yep. and any any character actor comedian can do that, it's very funny to me. I I especially love when Zach Galifianakis does it. Oh my god, it's Seth Galifianakis. Yeah, so funny. Um, but it's yeah, it just didn't work for well. And then also, uh, I will point out uh, one of those uh, magical technical glitches that SNL sketches have that are fixed when they post the sketch online. Uh, the first instance of Cecily and Amy Schumer lifting up their shirts, they they had clearly had some kind of green screen shirt on, and it was meant to be filled with pixelation as as a chroma key replacement, like how they do Weather Channel maps or like special effects. However, whatever they did the first time, it must have not been uh, activated properly, or they were zoomed in too close to it because all you could see was like pixels. But they were very big, and they weren't moving the way it would if it yep. was actually pixelated. They made it a little bit better the second time they did it on the, on the live show. But if you go watch it on online, as the sketch they posted uh, on on YouTube and whatnot, it is perfect. perfect and, yeah. and they actually did it without the green screen effect. They just did it over their bodies with actual graphics digital, yeah. Yeah, and pixelation. So it was, and that ruined that gag. Uh, when they did it the first time, it's like, oh well, that's not supposed to be right. like that. <laughs> yeah, this is just a, a just a weird selection. Like, why was this in the mix? I Bad sketch. Yeah. Worst of the night. Yeah, I agree. That was by far the worst of the night. Moving on, Big Penis Therapy, written by Michael Che and Gary Richardson, a man played by Andrew Dismukes, goes to Big Penis Therapy. I was happy to see to talk about his issues that they talked about the therapy that we all get. <laughs> on, on SNL, uh, finally get you know mental health is important, guys. I, I, we need to be represented. By the way, uh, Cecily Strong once again announces the sketch at the end. There you go. She is just on. She's very good at the, at the voiceover. Man, this was so good. It, it was, was very funny. so funny. Yes, I like this a lot. Uh, Amy Schumer killed it in this. I thought she was just so. The uh, actually the premise was 
It's, I, so I never even thought of the premise from before. From front to back, yep. everything about this was, it worked. Yep. Right? So Dismukes is, uh, you know, completely falling for it uh, character. Amy Schumer's character being like, hey, shut, shut, shut the hell up. <laughs> shut, shut, shut up. She did such a good job. And then who who were the other people in the sketch that played the? Uh, Ego Nowodum and Sarah Sherman. So they were great at that kind of not understanding, pushing back the other way. All of them did such a great job at the back and forth. And Dismukes is like just like slight smarminess, like, well, you know, they're in with therapy. He does that really well, by the way. <laughs> yeah. He does that kind of smarmy, but well, also nerdy. For, it's not for everyone, yeah. but it is for me. You, you guys know that those those people that are like kind of nerdy, but they think they're cooler than they are, and they're smarmy. Um, <coughs> Brad, Brad um, Redford. But, you can both uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm cooler than both of you. Uh, I thought this was really well written, really well good. executed, really well. Very, written. very good sketch. All right. Big dumb hat offending every 20 to 40 year old woman <laughs> we know right now. Uh, written by Allison Gates and Ken Sublet. Three women played by Chloe Feynman, Heidi Gardner, and Amy Schumer. Talk about their big dumb hats. Marcelo Hernandez plays a guy wearing a big dumb hat. <laughs> I dare you guys to post that on your social media sites and see how many of your friends love it. Uh, so everyone named Ashley, Ky- <laughs> Kylie <laughs> has a big dumb hat. I I do. So I, I like the premise. I, I like what they were trying to do here. It it didn't work tremendously Boo. well. It didn't work Boo. tremendously well. But I will say, every time they kept coming back to the big dumb hat, like just the fact that they kept saying it, that part I really liked. I thought the sketch was hilarious. I did. Too. Uh, I th- I feel like it totally nailed exactly the kind of people. Who wear these stupid fucking hats when when fall comes around? uh, Like just just all the various descriptions they had for the people that would wear wear these hats. Uh, I looked at it that not only was it true to comedy in that way, but it also um, took it to an absurd level by having the hat with the the coffee in it and then having the pizza slice and everything. And of course, the big giant hat, yeah. like the cat, the hat kept growing and getting bigger. And so I, I love. You're this just sketch. a big Turd Ferguson fan, so you really like any big hat. And is does, good, does, is point. Heidi Gardner almost always laughing, or is that just her? Because did you like in she, the hat? Yeah, no, no, she like, was it, because it was so awkward on her head, yeah, and she yeah. was it was being so she and she was having a hard time grabbing yeah, it too. Yeah, yeah, it's no, I mean. Uh, like this is a very influencer culture type of sketch, yeah. right? Because I've, I've oh seen my god, this. I laughed so hard at the the one where she says uh, posting a picture from her wedding every day. Yep. Oh god, uh, that was so it funny. was just perfect. I've seen that exactly. Right? It's oh, so god. many influencers are always posting pictures from their fucking wedding, it's and your wedding day. was five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I, I'm a little softened on this one, Brad. I think you won me over. It's very funny. So it's a funny sketch. All right, there are. Hey, did you like this sketch? I did. I actually love this. I, I don't know if they needed to do the bigger hat each time. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was funny, but it was funny enough even without it. Like it really the, was. the whole parody of yeah, yeah, and the making fun of. But, it just, the, but it, like, just, it just added another even, piece. It certainly did. It made it a little more it absurd, didn't which make is great. It worse, it didn't. Yeah. But I don't think they needed to because again, pointing out the comedy of all of this. Um, the boots, the hat, the you know that we all think we're unique, all and of then them have a you, child named Braxton. Yeah, <laughs> yes, a Thor. You know. <laughs> so there were no cut for time sketches that were put online so far. By the time we recorded this on Tuesday, 
So we're not going to talk about any of that. We're going to get down to brass tacks here. We're going to go with first, uh, what was your favorite sketch of the night? And then we'll go to MVP. Now, if you are not following us on Facebook, I would love for you to do that because we're we're actually asking you now what, who you thought was the MVP. You guys are the stars. And uh, who you thought, what you thought was the sketch of the night. It's actually fun. We had some people, you know, uh, participate. And what always... What always gets us is, and what we love, is that we have listeners that we don't know, right? Yeah. We don't know from areas that we don't you know, we don't live in. So if you are watching or listening to this podcast and you want to participate in this, about Monday we'll put it out there, and we'd love to hear what you think is the sketch of the night, and maybe we'll bring you into the podcast as well. So, Brad, what did you think? What was the sketch of the night? Big Dumb Hat was my favorite sketch of the really? night. Really? It really was. I liked Big Dumb Hat a lot. I thought it was very funny, and I, it was my favorite sketch of the night. I liked uh, Big Penis Therapy. I bet you did. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say it. I knew you were gonna say it. I'm gonna say, uh, and this is the first time I think we've actually not had one of us be the same, right? Usually yeah. it's two on one or whatever, or it's three. The looker was my favorite. Okay, I, I it's, really it's a good choice. It's I good really choice. enjoyed that one. All right, cast member of the night MVP, Brad Ben. Let's go with you, Cecily Strong. Cecily Strong was be my pick as well. That was my pick as well. It's what can we say? It's I mean, is she? I'm so so. I, I'm so glad she's back. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't realize the show was missing something without yeah. her, and it absolutely was. Yeah. I'm so glad she's aside here. from the weekend update stuff. Like she just she was strong throughout the night. You know she and she has she has like uh you know kind of thankless positions too. Like we talked about her voiceover many times. Yeah. And that's that's an integral part she of does like so really really putting you better. in the vibe of those yeah. sketches. I I don't think many people when you talk about kind of current cast members that will be known as legends. Maybe you wouldn't include Cecily Strong up until this point, but you realize when she's gone, how important she is to the show. And when she's back, how legendary she is. So she is had, for like, me like just back in the day a legend. Uh, she's she's really solidifying that. Like Anna Gasteyer was very, very well known on the show, but then after she left, I don't think people talk about like the legendary Anna Gasteyer, right? Yeah. They talk about the legendary Maya Rudolph, the legendary Tina Fey, yeah. the legendary Amy Poehler. And I don't know if Cecily Strong will be in that camp or she will be more of an Anna Gasteyer as history remembers her. I I, I think she's got a great chance I think at being the, an all-timer. I think part of that too is the names you mention are people who went on to, to have to, bigger careers exactly. after SNL. You know, and Anna yeah. Gasteyer didn't really. Like, exactly. She's been in stuff here and there. Um, because like, because even someone like Molly Shannon, you know, she's she's been around. And she's done a lot of stuff since then. She's but, doing some really good stuff right now. Yeah, actually. but but it's not necessarily stuff where it's like it's all over and everyone's talking about it, you know. Um, but yeah, so I I hope so. You know, I yeah. I, I would like. I'm very interested to see what Cecily Strong's career is like after SNL. I'll also, if you take Cecily Strong out of this episode for some reason, uh, I I got to say that I would have had to give it to Amy Schumer after that because she really did a great job in everything she was in. She tried. She was willing to do everything. See, the model was strong. She did a great job. I have my own rule when it comes to uh, naming the host for MVPs because, like, for for me personally, like, uh, we've talked about this before. Like, if I want the host to be the MVP, they have to like really surprise me and impress me because, like, you're supposed to be the star of the show, and it's it's assumed that you're probably hopefully going to be good and, and be the well, center of attention. See, but that's the thing. Like, oh, hold on, let me being finish. center of attention. Oh, let, me finish, let me finish. Let me finish. Not assuming you're going to be good. Let me finish. But it's, of, it's of, course, of, of course, that that's what I was about to say, if you would stop talking and interrupting me, is that they're not necessarily always going to be good. But the idea is that they are good enough because they've been asked to host that they should be. But when it's I am a little more uh, hesitant to give it to a good host when they are already inclined as a comedian 
like she is because she has extensive experience in stand-up comedy and sketch comedy because she has her own sketch comedy show that is named after her inside amy schumer and it just came back on paramount plus so yes she's great on snl for sure but it's not anything that i didn't expect her to be because i have seen and appreciated what she has already done so like i would have it would have have it would have taken some astronomical level of surprise yeah. yeah for me to give amy schumer the mvp but she was great in this episode and she is a good snl host and i actually i told nate this uh when we were uh on on a, a highway drive recently um I I thought that this episode, with the exception of a couple sketches, uh, felt like a live version of Inside Amy Schumer because so much of it was female-centric comedy centered around Amy Schumer's comedic stylings, and it really felt like stuff that she would have done herself on her own show. I, I, I like everything you said. I just disagree that the host is expected to be good because they're they're not. Well, I they think, are. I, I do think we have different qualifications of whether or not the host can be the MVP. Yeah, Ben has I, none. Mine is, <laughs> yeah, mine makes sense. And, uh, well, that's the show. No. Hey, we got to talk about <laughs> Uh, next week do we have another episode well you know i don't really want to we'll see no like, we uh, will we're, we're gonna do the, an episode here's the thing that we dave want, chappelle is hosting yeah and here's the thing that we want to put out put out there uh you know if uh if you're one of those people out there who complains about people being too woke and people uh being too sensitive to comedy and not being able to take jokes uh you, let me just say fuck you and i want to say that because uh we are people who are very appreciative of comedy uh, there's a time and place uh, for all kinds of jokes about all kinds of things. Uh, there's great racial humor out there. There's great sexual humor out there. Uh, you know, there's great uh, humor, religious humor. Right? Great religious I mean, humor. There's, there's humor that focuses on everything and anything and everything. Yep. Dave Chappelle has reached a point where the comedy he's doing a is not as great as it used to be, and b uh, it is it's prejudice in a way that isn't funny. Are there jokes about race and sex and, you know, all these different things that, that define us that are funny but still make fun of people or something about them? Absolutely. What Dave Chappelle is doing when it comes to the jokes he tells about trans people and the trans community, they're not funny. They're they're hurtful. They're ignorant. And he refuses to acknowledge it. And he's r coasting on his accolades and writing that out. And people are afraid to really come down on him because of who he is. And he needs to be held accountable, not just for saying these things that are harmful and bigoted, but also because they're not funny. Like that, that when it comes down to it, he's not as funny as he used to be. And so it's those two things combined that make this so frustrating to hear someone who used to be great, not willing to take responsibility for how their words harm other people. And so that's why we're not excited about seeing this new episode with Dave Chappelle, because he's not who he used to be. It's really frustrating. And I don't know how easy it's going to be to enjoy, especially if he uses his monologue to say more stupid shit. And I don't know about you guys. I have been a huge Dave Chappelle fan, right? Yes. And so Killing Them Softly, I think, is one of the best stand-up hours of all time. So we will review it. We'll watch it. Um, we, I understand, completely understand, people not don't want to or don't want to, again, encourage. I don't think it was a good choice to bring him right now. This is a Lauren Michaels thing after elections. It seems to be the last two elections, now the third. He brings Dave Chappelle on. And after the 2020 election, Chappelle did great. It was a, it was really a, a moment that met that time. This just feels like a... But he's a, not a, the same person. This feels like a, a very uh, uh, flying blind choice by Lauren uh, to be like, oh, this is what we've done before. It's it, it has worked in the past. I'm going to ignore what's going on currently, and we're just going to do this again. And I don't think it's going to work out in their favor. I think uh, one of the writers, maybe it was Celestium, that wrote something on Twitter or uh, or Instagram about it. You know, it certainly didn't name Dave Chappelle, but you know, essentially talking about standing with trans rights, these kind of yeah. things. I just think can't she's, wait for I think the... she might be non-binary or, or or something. But um, but again. 
I, I think it does put the cast in the um that the writers yeah. in a weird place. Yeah, uh, it's not Dave quite Chappelle a, has not really apologized or even really navigated the the if anything the awkwardness. He's, he's actively he's refused he's to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just can't wait for how many times he thinks his own shit is funny and just slaps the mic on his knee. It's so great when he does that after a mediocre joke. <laughs> It's going to be super fun to see. So we'll be back next week. We'll have another episode, and we'll talk a little bit about that, and hopefully it goes well. And uh, also, get uh, get well, Chris Red. Did you guys see that he got attacked in yeah, New York? Yeah, dude's had a weird six to eight months, right? I mean, he's left the show unexpectedly. Uh, gets uh, 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 assaulted outside of the Manhattan Comedy Cellar. Yeah, like at nine thirty like, at night. Like seriously like really assaulted. Bad. Yeah. yeah. So and I was with you guys that night. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, no, Chris Red also does. Uh, well, you know, it, it might cheer him up to know uh, if people are watching his new stand-up comedy special that's uh, available on HBO Max. So, Did you watch it? I haven't watched it yet, but I know it's there. All right. Well, uh, where can people find you, Brad? Uh, at Ethan underscore Anderton on Twitter. I write at SlashFilm.com where you can check out my reviews uh, of new episodes of SNL uh, Sunday, uh, the day after new episodes air. And uh, yeah, there you go. Just check, 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 check it out, check it out. Ben and I are online too. You can find us if you want. More importantly, find us on Facebook. Uh, go to our podcast page. Go to our Twitter page. YouTube. Listen to our other. Yeah, we're on YouTube as well. If that's where you we actually get more and more listeners on YouTube now. Again, I think it's just a lot of people. People love watching YouTube. podcasts because you're un- you're doing it with an unboxing videos as well. Like you're you're t- you're unboxing new uh, technology devices. <laughs> yeah. as it's, our not, po- it's not a bad idea. Um, <laughs> so uh, again. Uh, find us uh, listen to our other podcasts that we do every week as well um, go flicks yourself where we talk about our love of movies different trailers coming out new movies coming out this week Brad and I am sure going to talk about a film that we just saw last night what did we see Braddy? we saw Black Panther <laughs> sounds so nonplussed about it oh no we're excited alright that's all we have for tonight uh, we'll talk to you soon keep listening be good to yourself be good to others bye bye